on that trophy. Second season running, that she's done so in the colours of Manchester City. Oh, lovely footwork there from Weah! A special goal in a special game from Caroline Weah. That is world class. That is outstanding. A worldie from Weah. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of MCW Fancast. I'm Emma. Thanks for listening. We're back and this week we're joined by Paul Clark as he returns to the podcast to discuss recent results in both the Women's Super League against Chelsea and Wednesday night's road trip to Wigan in the Conti Cup group against rivals Manchester United. Two disappointing results and a pivotal time for the club in the run-up to Christmas. Good times indeed. Let's just get straight into it. Paul, thank you so much for joining me again. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. It's been a bit of a strange week. Um, a couple of uh, tricky uh, games to talk about, uh, difficult games for the club, for the players, for the fans. So, you know, it's um, it's been a, it's been a strange week football-wise uh, in terms of, you know, how the club have uh, been performing over the last sort of seven days or so. Let's talk about Chelsea first. Disappointment at the Academy Stadium, um, kind of following on from disappointment of the semi-final of the FA Cup. Welcome Chelsea back to the Academy Stadium. Um, full-time result, 4-0 in the end. Was you expecting a little bit more from this game? Well, I, I don't think, firstly, I don't think it was a 4-0. It was a weird game because you look at the stats, there's nothing in it. Um, in terms, we had more possession, few less shots on target. Uh, all, all the stats were pretty even, Stevens. And I think most people, most neutral observers, would say that City were the better side in the first half, um, and Chelsea were, were struggling. It doesn't help when you give away a daft goal to a top quality side very early on, because that does put a bit of pressure on you, particularly when you're struggling. And I'm not going to point fingers at individuals on that. These things happen. They seem to be happening a little bit too much to my liking uh, at the moment. But these, you know, you can't give a, a team like Chelsea a one-goal start. You just can't do it. And it was they, a gift, really. It was, it was a total gift. You know, I mean, that she can't. But she must have thought this is Christmas. All my Christmas has come at once. You know, against the, you know those sort of sides, they will bury those chances. You then get into a first half where we're in control. The, you know, it's a, even Stevens, you know, we're just edging it. And then a stonewall penalty isn't given. That's a penalty with Berger all day long. She's not in control when she powers into Lauren Hemp. It's a, a stonewall penalty. If that was a VAR in a men's game, that would, the game would have been stopped and that would have been given. So then you're at one all going into, in, going into half time because I don't think Chelsea would have scored again in the shut up shot. Then you go into second half. Our team have got the, you know, got the got got the confidence going. We might not have had those, you know, that f- five or six minutes of madness where we gave away two soft goals, and then we gave away a goal at the end. So you know, chasing the game. So in a way, it was a weird game because in some senses, you know, we should have got maybe got a result out of that, maybe got a draw. I think I don't think any more than a draw because I think it could, could, could still be playing today and still still not scored a goal from open play, and that's the biggest problem that City have got at the moment. They're not creating enough clear cut chances in front of goal for Ellen White. You've got the best striker in the country probably, 
and she's she's feeding on scraps. So that's something the coaching staff have got to get hold of. But you know, I, I didn't think it was a four 0 It was it was certainly better than the Arsenal game where we, we you know where we just got absolutely hammered. You know, yeah. and certainly better I think than the semi final as well where we weren't really in that game. Um, this was a much better performance, and we were a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I think the disappointment of the first goal. Um, heads didn't drop, you know, they were still very much, like you said, in control of the game, you know, we were passing the ball quite well, keeping possession really well. And like you said, there there are moments in games, I mean, we had another one, you know, against United as well, where, you know, you have a moment in the game that essentially could change the direction of the game. And, um, you know, we've had two sort of moments like that this week that have gone against us and, you know, you're scratching your head, but we have to accept that it's part of the game and some are given and some aren't. Uh, but it obviously just highlights again the, the standard of the refereeing um, and the lack of consistency across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the fairness of the referee in this season, it's, it's, it's better than it has been, but it's still a long way from where you need it to be. And, and it's worth remembering in the men's game, professional referees have nightmares as well. They, and they've got VAR... Two professional referees like on the line, three blokes in a usually blokes in a in a port cabin on the VAR. You've got all of that, and they still have a nightmare. So until we start to have professional referees in our league, until we start giving them the tools like VAR to to actually make those sort of decisions and and look at those decisions again, then we will continue to have this inconsistency. I fought the referee against Chelsea. We, you know, we've had her a few times now. She's a good referee. She made a mistake on that because that was a nailed on all day long penalty. And you need the technology now, in a, you know, because our game is becoming as fast and as furious as the men's game. So asking referees to make those split second decisions in these big games is asking a lot. So why can't we have VAR in our league? I, I'm not a big fan of VAR, but if we're going to have it, I think it would help the referees in our league. And I think it would take out some of these um, d- dubious decisions that are made because a referee is unsighted, you have to ask yourself, what was the lines person doing, you know, in, in that situation? Because it was obvious to everybody in the ground, it was a penalty. And I think if you, I think if you, if you ask the Chelsea players, they say, yeah, we got away with one there. Yeah. Um, obviously there are a lot of people on the fence about VAR um, and the sort of whether or not we need to sort of look at implementing it into the women's game. But I suppose for argument's sake, do you feel, or do you feel there is an argument for saying, well, there is um, a gap between obviously those professional full-time referees and part-time referees. And obviously they've highlighted the need for investment um, and, and they are working obviously to, to bridge that gap, if you like, and improve and raise the standards. But do you think that it would be more beneficial to have something like that to support those decisions more so because it is could be seen as a, a, a bit of a learning aid as well? <clears throat> I think there's two things. It's a two-step process. The first step is if you're going to professionalise the game and pay women to play football and clubs are going to invest in that, then you've got to invest in the referees. You've got to, like with the men, have a cohort of professional referees. It can be male or female. It doesn't really matter. I would prefer to have a cohort of female referees and lines people that are paid. It's a full-time job. They learn. They go through the, the, the process of evaluating what's happening in, in their game. They look at the games where they've, they've done well, perhaps not done so well, decisions they made, like the, men, the, male, the men's league referees do. And then 
once you get that into place and you start to see the standards increase, because they will, then you might want to consider bringing VAR into the women's game. So I think the first step is to get the referees up to scratch, then potentially bring VAR in in a couple of seasons. I'm not a fan of VAR. VAR takes the joy out of football for me. But equally, there are times when some decisions are so blatantly wrong that when you go to review, it's overturned. And that can be a good thing. Yeah. The real issue with VAR, when you look at, you know, I was at the European game, the men's game recently, they do it so much more, so, so, so quicker than, than, the, than in the, the football in the Premier League. Premier League takes forever and takes the joy out of it. So if someone scores a goal, you don't know whether they scored or not. Uh, because you're waiting for, you know, what seems like an eternity before, then you might not have to sell it, you know, you might be, you know, your celebrations look a bit silly. So first step is to get referees sorted out in our league. Second step is to look at the technology. We're not the only club that's going to fall victim to these decisions this season. You know, there's always, there's, there's always something going on. <laughs> um, it, not just for us, but for other teams as well. Um, but like you said, they can make a difference. That was a crucial one. It was missed. It should have been given changes the game, you're going in to the break at, you know, one all essentially, and, you know, City could find, you know, we've been there before, City can find a way back easily and put themselves ahead and it's a totally different game. But like you said, the result, I suppose, doesn't reflect the performance itself. Second half was a completely different story. I think Chelsea, it was relatively straightforward for them, effortless. And you know they are a quality side that you can't you can't deny that um, they've got some incredible players and Emma Hayes has just got them playing some incredible football as well. When the fourth goal goes in, and people are just sat around you and you, you're hearing the fans around you and they're asking so many questions of not necessarily the team but the manager at this point. How do you feel uh, about uh, things and and what were you feeling at that time? I think I think there's two things about the manager. You know, everything that could possibly go wrong this season has gone wrong for him. You know, he he must be the, one of the unluckiest managers in the WSL. You know, massive injuries, decisions not going his way. Um, not, time after time, the ball just doesn't bounce for a player. You know, for a striker, it just bounces off a defender. So there's that element to it. And I, the other question you have to ask yourself is, if you say you don't that Gareth Taylor should go, and I don't think I'm not an advocate of that at this stage because I think he needs, you know, we need to see when the players come back where we're at. If he's, if you, if you have that opinion, ask yourself who you're going to replace him with, who's out there that's a better choice than Gareth Taylor at the moment. And that's the question you need to ask yourself. It's the question you always have to ask yourself when you're calling for someone to lose their job. If the, if you're saying that person's not up to it, who's the better who's the better choice? And that's what fans have to ask themselves. I don't have an answer to that question. I think there may be people out there. The club may well be looking, but at the moment, there's no one obvious that you're going to pull in in the middle of a season. And which manager is going to look at that and think, well, that's a brilliant situation to be going in there. A team short of confidence, massive injury list, um, underperforming. Oh, I think I'll take that on. That that's what you've got to ask yourself. So let's let's understand that Gareth's doing his best in tricky circumstances. I would have some issues with some of his tactical decisions, but nonetheless, 
I think he's trying his best and I think he's a, a decent coach. So I think we should just try and get behind him as much as we can because if we call for his head, it might make the situation even worse because at least the women that are in the team now know how he coaches, know the system uh, and can try and play some sort of system. I think we've seen some improvement over the last couple of weeks in terms of the tactical now. But I do keep coming back to this notion that how many chances are we, clear-cut chances are we creating in the game at the moment? Not very many. You know, we're relying on set pieces, a bit of luck, a wonder goal like Vicky Lasada last night. You know, you can't keep trying to knock it in from 35, 25, 35 yards. That's not how you win a game. So, you know, if you think about it logically, if we had Chloe Kelly on one side, Lauren Hemp on the other, Ellen Wright in the middle, then, you know, we would be tearing teams apart. She's not there. And the replacements are not in the same league as Chloe Kelly. So we need to think, you know, what, what are we going to do to make uh, our team function better and score more goals? Because at the moment, we're not scoring enough goals. Uh, and I think that's a big difference this season because all the teams in, the, in this league now have tightened up at the back. They've all got decent keepers. They've all got decent back fours. There's no easy pickings anymore. So you've got to play your way through some very strong defences in midfield to get a chance. And I just don't think we're doing that at the moment. So that's something that I think Gareth Taylor does need to work on. Uh, and he needs to work on that pretty quickly because we've got a decent run of games coming up where we, we should be able to pick up a, a significant pot of points over the next uh, four or five games. How pivotal do you think this time is between now um, and then run up to Christmas with the games that we've obviously specifically really got left to play in the league if we're going to look at the league? Well, we, we, the, our next five games are Villa, Birmingham, Leicester, Reading and then Brighton. Now, Brighton are overperforming, so that's something we need to bear in mind. You would want to pick out of that, that those potential 15 points, 10 to 12 points would be, would be a reasonable target. I want to caveat that by, by being absolutely clear that there are no easy games in the WSL anymore. These clubs are not mugs anymore. You know, they've got professional setups. They're, you know, they're, they're well organised. They've got decent coaches. But we've got enough firepower in that, in that situation to get anywhere between 12, 10 to 12 points. If we do that, then we're back in the hunt for third place. I still think third place is a big ask. But if we do that and we pick up these points against teams that we should beat, because you know, we're, we're fielding teams of internationals every time, then I think that turns our season around. We're back in the hunt and it gives us some optimism that we might actually get back into Europe. Because if we don't get back into Europe, there will be players at the club who will be thinking, I came here to play European football. I came here to challenge for the Champions League. I didn't come here to challenge for the Conti Cup. That's my biggest worry at the moment is that we were so positive, we were so hungry, uh, we believed that we could achieve. And obviously that has... Really, the it, the steam's just gone out of the team. You know the, what? What can we play for? Domestic cups, FA Cup, County Cup. You know when we're talking at the beginning of the season of of succeeding in Europe and going all the way, and and we're not even halfway through the season. And you know what I mean? Like how the players were, that must really mentally take its toll on the players um, as well. And I just I am concerned with a lot of um, you know the contracts coming up in uh, the summer specifically. 
I think it would be a real big sign of intent if we're able to obviously have them conversations, keep them players on. I think it would speak volumes in terms of them believing in the process of what Gavin's trying to achieve here at City. But also it would be really a little bit disheartening because then it's sort of, you know, if we do lose those players, then it looks to be a bit of a rebuild as well. Well, the first thing to, to, to think about is that when players come to our club, women players come to our club, they are coming to some of the best facilities and best support in the world, in world football. So that's something that they that they will be thinking about. You know, the, 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 I'm, I'm sure the, the, the salaries are competitive. They get the best facilities. They get the same treatment as the men uh, who get the absolutely, you know, world-class physio, dietary, training facilities. But at the end of the day, players don't look back on their career and say, oh, there's a great gym at City. They look back on the medals that they won, the trophies that they won, the caps that they won. So those players will be thinking, I've got 10 years at the top. I want to get as many medals and as trophies as I can. And when I came to City, I thought that was going to be the case. So I think it's really critical that we push on, that the, that we show solidarity both on the pitch and off the pitch, because we still can get to third place. It's not impossible. We've still got enough quality in that team to, to, to make a really strong run. It's worth remembering that last season, the men were out of the Premier League at Christmas. No one thought they were going to win the title. And they went on that run and they won it. We can do something similar. And by the time we get to Christmas, we should have Lucy Bronze back. We should have our first choice keeper back. Potentially Steph will be back. Chloe Kelly, I think, is a bit further on, obviously, because ACL is a much bigger injury. So we'll start to see some of the leaders come back into the team, some of the quality players come back into the team. And I think that will make a big difference. So whilst at the moment it looks a bit grim, there's some, there are elements of optimism. And in fairness to some of the players that have come in, Angle Dow being a very good example, they've stepped up, they've stepped into that team, they've shown the right commitment and, they, and they're getting stuck in. We can't, we can't at any point fault the commitment of that team. You know, yeah. we can't fault. I mean, I was, I was listening to an interview uh, with Jill Scott at the weekend, you know, on, on YouTube. And she said, I'm playing centre-half. I'm forever thinking, am I running the right lines? Am I putting people out of position? Because she's not a centre-half. But if you ask Jill Scott to be going goal, she'd say, well, I'm not a goalie, but I'll give it a go. She's that sort of player, that sort of person. And I think that's the sort of people we've got at the club. So maybe when it comes to the end of the season, if we've got ourselves into Europe, or if even if we haven't got ourselves into Europe, people might think we'll buy into the vision of the club, we'll buy into the ambition, and we'll we'll fight on another season to see what you know to get back into Europe. Because the reality is that we have got a big job now to get to the standard of Arsenal and Chelsea. You know, we've now got a, a big job because they are head and shoulders this season above everybody else, and and we have to be honest about that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So Chelsea, in a nutshell, I'm just going to forget about it. <laughs> it never happened. Never just, happened. Just think it was a bad. Just think of it like a bad fever dream. That it just yes, abso- absolutely. So Chelsea game um, done and dusted, and I kind of thought, okay, United, something I can maybe look forward to. 
uh, midweek County Cup uh, away to LSV. It seems like we're always at the LSV for some reason. <laughs> I guess that's just the way the ties are drawn. It's a derby. Both teams will be looking for a result. Both sets of fans looking for a result in this one. Um, I was a little bit apprehensive heading into it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I I, I thought it would be a tricky tie because, um, you know, but just because of the where we are at the moment. I mean, in, in fairness, you have to say United uh, are a decent um, emerging side. They've got some good players. I think Mark Skinner's done a really good job there, um, you know, of, of organising them. Um, I think they're much more organised than they were under the last manager, who, you know, everyone thinks is the greatest manager ever. But he, he's he knows what he's doing and he's got them organised um, and there's some good players in that team. Why we let Mannion go, it, it will remain one of the mysteries of, of the close season because she's walked into that team and looks to the man of born. So, you know, I, I thought it'd be tricky. It's a way, it's, you know, it's a hostile environment potentially. They're playing quite well. They've been together a long time. They've got some very good young players in that team with a lot of their experience as well. So I think it was going to, it was going to be a, something that we should we could have done without i think at this time you know we need we could have done we could have done with this lack of having a hole in the head united did add about i think quite a few draws actually heading into this one so they were they were looking for a win i think confidence you know similar sort of issues really confidence just really struggling to get the results um a bit of a lull i suppose um but it's you know a coming together i think for united at the moment under Obviously, Mark Skinner, uh, you know, a few new players in the mix as well there. But it was pro- quite surprising that um, Mark put a bit of faith in his youth uh, with the lineup that he selected on on Wednesday night. Well, I, I think so, but I think I think I think he 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 has faith in them. He has faith in them to to deliver. And then we have to ask, you know, then then they've questioned into the race. They they put out a relatively inexperienced side. We put out a team that is wall to wall internationals, and we you know we should have too much for them. In theory, yeah, it was quite a close game. You know, there was nothing yeah. in that game. But again, we didn't look like we were going to, you know, create enough chances, particularly in the first half. We weren't on top for the first twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes. You know, the, the, you know, we were totally in control of that game. And, and Ellen White sat on the bench. You know, it, it makes no sense to me. No, I was quite, I was quite surprised by that. Um, but it was great to see, you know. Gareth showing faith in players like Jess Park, uh, Ruby May, obviously in the back line as well, which I think fans have been saying, you know, they'd like to see. That that was great. And I think, you know, to a point, you know, you're looking for Gareth to kind of put your arm around these players a little bit and just given that little bit of faith, a bit like what Mark has shown in, in that United squad as well. I, I think so. And, and I think the reality is that he's been, he's, Gareth's being forced to put the young kids in because there is literally nobody else to put in. You know, I don't. I think he would have preferred to bring Ruby Mace, for instance, through slower. I think he wouldn't have wanted to throw in, into so much accents so early. But she's been a revelation. Absolutely, we looked like a different back four last night with her in there, and mm-hmm. it, it's simply because she's a, she's a centre half. She plays as a centre half. She knows how to play that position. Uh, and with all due respect to Jill, who's done, done a great job as a stand-in, you, you, all day long you're going to play someone who's who's, who's a you know a, a, a designated centre half over a midfield you know a mid- holding midfielder. So so she's been brilliant. I think Jess Park deserves a chance because I think she needs game time and she played quite well last night. I thought she had a, she had a decent game. 
you know what I love what I loved about last night obviously um I wasn't at the game but the bits that I did see because obviously it was a bit uh, touch and go on the old FA play <laughs> on the old FA player but the bits that I did see I loved Jess Park giving Lasada some grief <laughs> she was literally dictating to her what she like what you doing like after time I mean Lasada had a great game but you love to see that, especially, you know, from a player like Jess Park in terms of the confidence, who's not afraid to say anything. There's a real ruthlessness there. And I, I really like that in her. Yeah, I, I think I think we're bringing through. This is this is really encouraging. We're bringing through some very good young players. You know, we, we've signed the best young centre half in the country in Ruby Whitmiss. There's no doubt about that. She will be playing for England in the next couple of seasons. She is an outstanding player. She ripped Leicester to pieces. When she in that game, absolutely, you know, she's banging the crosses in. She just looks like, you know, she's got no fear. She wants the ball. You know, our young players are after the ball all the time. They're not hiding, you know, and they are saying to the experienced pros, get your finger out when you need to. You know, you know, we're in a we're in a war here. We're in a battle here. We need to step up, you know, and you need to understand how important these games are. Now, I'm not saying that those players don't, but you know, they're new to the new to the league, new to the team. So perhaps they just need reminding from time to time, and and felt good on the young players for saying, you know, we're not messing about here. We're 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 coming here to do a job, um, and we want to beat this lot. Um, so it was it was a perfect start. <laughs> um, great goal, well taken. Um, from the Sada, and you're thinking at this point, game on. Well, I thought we'd kick on from that point. You know, I think we're on. The, it seems to me we're on a back end of another another dubious decision as well for the, for their first goal, um, which I think knocked the stuffing out of us a little bit uh, towards the end of the half. And I I I I have a degree of sympathy to it because I think if she was playing behind a back four that was Lucy Bronze, Steph Horton, Alex Greenwood, and Demi Stokes, that's a different proposition to a ramshackle back four that we've got. No matter how good a keeper you are, I think if Ellie Roebuck was, was behind our current back four, she'd be struggling because it's a ramshackle back four. It's a makeshift back four. They're doing their best. I mean, I think Stanway's a decent right back, actually. I think, you know, and I think... Do you know got... what? I've got to say, against United, I actually thought that was the best performance all season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. I, I think she's she's a good player, you know, and she's, she's tenacious and she's, she's got quality. So... And, and you, you can't legislate for someone like Demi Stokes last night, you know, just lingering on the ball a bit too long and it, and it bouncing up and getting the second goal going in. So I think I think you've got to sort of say that the whole issue with the club is that our established patterns of play and our, our established back four, midfield, up front are just shot to pieces at the moment. And that does create confidence issues for a goalkeeper because... You know, if Jill Scott's struggling to work out which line she's running, then the keeper's thinking, well, why is she over there? Or why is she going that way? Or why is Alex running over here to, to, to plug that gap? You know, and then you're down to 10 and when Georgia got sent off, you know, <laughs> there's all sorts of things that have gone. Yes, she has made some mistakes. Um, and I think that's that probably illustrates the need for us to think about who our second keeper will be going forward. Because I don't think Karen Barsley is the answer either, to be honest, because I think Karen is towards the end of her career um, and is carrying some quite serious injuries. So I think we need to think about bringing through uh, our under-17s England keeper, who's, who's a very good keeper, 
whether she, whether she needs to have a regular berth now uh, in the first team when she's when she's fit. I know she's injured at the moment, so I think there's 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 issues around it. But I think I think it's unfair to blame it just on the keeper because I think there's uncertainty right throughout that team. Oh, I think there's players playing just weirdly. Probably some of them are playing in positions they last played in junior football. Mm. I just, I just think yes, you're right. There's, you know, it, there's ten players to go through before it even gets to the keeper's hands. But I just wish she'd smother the bloody ball. <laughs> I really, really, really do. Well, I do, and 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 also, yeah, I think I think, and don't kick the ball to a quality forward in in a really good side because they'll just bang it back at you and, and score. So there's all sort of thing. You know, if you're not confident of playing it out with your feet, if you don't think you're Edison. Then don't do it. Don't do it. Just just kick it. Because at the moment, we, we have to play the percentages and we're not doing that. When you watch players, when you watch a lot of football, you know when players are having a you know a snidey moan or a proper moan. And it seemed to me that the city players were convinced that it had been kicked out of our hands. Yeah. The players know, you know, you can see them, you know, when a penalty is given. If, if it's even remotely dubious, they're all around the referee. And sometimes it's given and it, everyone just goes, well, yeah, it was a blatant, blatant penalty. It was a blatant, or it was a blatant sending off. No one queries it. And last night, our players were fuming about that decision. So The reaction yeah. was immediate, absolutely yeah. immediate to the, to the incident. Exactly. Um, obviously, if you hadn't seen it, but I'm sure you had, um, this was obviously, we're talking about the equaliser from United. Taib still mishandled the ball. Uh, let's be honest, and um, doesn't really get her hands to it very well, but she tries to tries to smother it. She goes to ground, but she does regain possession of the ball. It looks as though it's in between her hands. Uh, and Hansen comes in and essentially kicks the ball out of her hand, which in return leads to the goal. And at this point, initially, when the ball is sort of taken away from Taib, uh, the players to react to the foul. Because obviously, once the goalkeeper has possession of the ball, if if it kicks out of the hands, it's it's a foul, blatant foul, and it's a free kick to the opposition. So um, obviously, they go on and score from score from this uh, moment in the game, and it is a bit of a blow. It's a total blow, and it, I think I think when you when, when you've been on the back end of a couple of bad decisions, it can it can affect you. I think it can affect the the, the men, you know the mentality of a team because they just think well, nothing's going right. You know, it, it, it come, bounces out of her hands or kicks out of her hands right to a player who whacks it in. You know, and then team for the second goal, redeems herself with a great save. And then Demi Stotts is, is just dwelling on the ball a little bit too much. Um, only, a, only a split second, it bounces off the, the United player, bounces fortuitously to one of their players and they knock it in. So, you know, you, you can't legislate for that. You know, a keeper makes a mis- you know potentially makes a mistake. There's a dodgy decision. She then redeems herself, and then one of the best players of last night and one of the best players in our team just makes a slight error of judgment, and we're two one down. And then really? you then you're chasing the game again, and, and we're not we're not scoring enough goals to be able to ship these sort of mistakes repeatedly. We're just not. That's the problem. We're just not getting enough chances. You know, I think last season we might have come back from that two-one and got a, you know gone back to two-two, even won that game. But well, we have done, haven't we? Against you, repeatedly, yeah, repeatedly. And you know, it, the thing is as well, you know, the goal was late on, but 
I think for the decision itself, you know, it's one that I've watched over and over and over. I'll accept if it was the right decision, do you know what I mean? But to yeah. me, it was really blatant. And and again, it's just gone amiss. And it's it's just so frustrating. But, you know, we've been on the end of those and, and they've not been given, you know, and it's been in our favour. So I, I feel like I can't, I, you know, like I can't like be as annoyed about it as I want to be, but it's so uh, it's so destroying, especially in this period that we're in at the moment where, you know, those decision are, decisions are making, you know, playing their part as well. And where you just want that little bit of luck and a little bit of good fortune to go your way, it's, it's just really not happening for us at the moment. I know that's something as well where we can't be saying, oh, yeah, we you know you make your own luck and and I totally get that and I feel that that you know that is something we should be saying and not just depending on the fortune and the good looks and all this kind of stuff because we're good enough and we're capable of doing it ourselves we don't need it we shouldn't need it yeah I mean I, I'm I'm actually a great believer that over a season probably it evens itself out the, mm-hmm. the dodgy decisions go your way or don't go your way and probably over a full season it, there's not much in it. If you did an analysis of it, you'd probably think there might be one or two decisions that didn't go your way. But generally speaking, I think it goes your way. But when you're in the middle of a really desperate situation and you're struggling, the last thing you need is is almost it happening all the time because it it's, it just makes you feel like everything's against you. You know, you're looking at the injury list, you're looking at the problems in the team, you're looking at these decisions, and you just think, oh no, not again, not again. You know that that you know, and and if you've played at the highest level as well, which most of these players have, they're just going, "Why is that decision been made? That's so blatant." <laughs> you know, yeah. penalty in the Chelsea game, that decision last night, it's just a bad timing. And and as I said, Gauss, you know, been very unlucky with that. But you can't keep blaming decisions. You're absolutely right. What you need to be doing is saying, "Well, why aren't we scoring enough goals? Why aren't we creating enough chances? And how can we tighten things up so we're not making?" what seems to be a, a relatively long run of quite basic mistakes. I kind of feel it's, it, it shouldn't be put upon the players, though, because I do kind of feel as though the players are doing the best they can. And I think Gareth kind of kind of came out and said that at the end of full time as well. Um, and what you want to do, what you want to see and hear is your manager taking a little bit of ownership of that. Um, I think he was a little bit more honest than perhaps what we've seen in recent weeks. Uh, especially with the London performances. But I, I really do feel that now, especially with Villa coming up on Saturday, is a, a really good opportunity for us to to head into sort of the end of November, run up to Christmas and really build that momentum. Um, I think it's a, a real ideal op- opportunity for us. Well, I, I totally agree. I think we've got a great run coming up where we, we can... You know, those players can, you know, the, the ones that have come in, the new players can embed themselves further. We might get some of our star names coming back into the team, which will which will help. You know, we've, we've lost a lot of leaders in that team. So I think this is a really good period for us. But it's also a chastening experience as fans because we've got used to champagne football. We've got used to all of this. So we now need, as fans, to say we need to be mature and growing up about this. You can't just rely on, you know, that we'll always be successful. There will be periods where the club, the team will not be performing in the way that we expect, would expect them to. And we have to get behind them. Now is the time for us as fans to say, let's get behind the team. It's easy when you're winning everything. Anyone can do that. And you I take watch, it for granted, don't you? You, you? you do. And I've watched so much rubbish over the road 
uh, you know, a decade of you know, plus of absolute tripe. So when I look at the team now, there's a guy behind that sits behind me who, who mourns like he's, he's watching the Stuart Pearce side who couldn't score a goal to save their lives. Well, I'm watching the best players in the world. So my perspective is, you know, we don't win the title. I'm still watching great football. What we need to do as fans is take, you know, take a longer term view and say, yes, things are bad at the moment. They will get better because there's some great players in that side. The setup's great. Good times will come again. But we need to show the support and solidarity with those players. Because the one thing I would say about the women this season is they've never given up. They've never stopped trying. They're working hard. They're definitely committed to, to turning things around. I don't think we can question the integrity of those players. I just think we need to, you know, we need we need to sort of say, look, they're suffering now at the moment. We've got two choices. We can either turn on them, which will help nobody, or we can stand with them and know that good times will come back at some point in the not too distant future. Um, and I think that's it's to the credit of the fans that are coming to the games that that's what's happening. There is a bit of mourning, sure, but I think most fans are really behind the team. Um, I just think because we don't have the long history of the men's team of you know being down in the third old third division, playing away at York York City and all of that stuff. Also, a lot of City fans, women's fans, have known just success. Well, now is the time to understand that football is an up and down experience. Most of the time with the women, you're going to be up. Sometimes you're going to be down. And when you're down, that's when you stand up and be counted. And I'm confident that the fans will do that because that's what they've always done. But now's the time really to do it. So Villa, Saturday, what are you expecting from that game? Are you expecting a response, obviously, from the midweek? I'm expecting a response. I'm expecting, I, I would I would fancy us to win that game. I would fancy us to have too much for Villa. And I would fancy us to, it'd be a bit like the Leicester game. I think we'll grind them down. I think we'll just keep at them. And I think we'll we'll probably get a reasonably easy win. But it, it, it'll, it'll, be, it'll take some effort. So I, I'm, I, I would hope we're going to win that game. I would be confident of winning that game. Uh, and I would definitely expect a response. And then in fairness, I think we got a response last night from the Chelsea game. It would be so easy for them to go to, you know, to Lee in the middle of nowhere on a wet Wednesday night uh, and just not give a not give a damn. But I didn't get that sense from the team. I think they, they you know, they went there to do a job. It didn't work out, um, and I think they'll take that confidence and that spirit, which is the most important thing in our team, to to Villa, and and I think we'll I think we'll get a result, and I think we'll start to see, as you rightly said earlier on. As we go into Christmas, our season starting to look a little bit rosier. I mean, frankly, if we don't get a lot of points from 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 this run, then our season is in free fall. But I don't think we're at that point now. There's enough positive stuff. I mean, I, I'm not. I, I think Gareth sometimes can go a little bit too. You know, with the you know the sort of management psycho babble stuff that you get. You know, you know, focus on the positives. You've got to look at what's got not going so well as well. But I think he's right. There are enough positives from you know some of the younger players and some of the players that started to settle down into the team. Angle Dal being a good example. Um Vicky Lasoda, you know, she she can turn a game. You know, Kira Walsh is back, which is a massive, massive thing for us. You know, she's she, since she's been back, we look like a different team in the middle of the park. I think this I think we we, we should be confident of winning that game. I don't want a card. I don't want a gift from City this Christmas. I just want 
four, <laughs> four wins on the bounce. That, that, that'll do me just fine. Like, that'll do me just fine. Let's start with Villa on Saturday and just take it game by game. But, Paul, always good to speak to you. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Do you want to give us a quick prediction before you go? I'm going to say 3-1. I hope, I hope they don't. I hope they don't score first, like the Leicester game. Well, it, this could be famous last words, couldn't it? But yeah, that I think if I think if we get an early, an early, a good start, I think I think we'll kick on and win the game. Uh, we should have too much for them. Definitely, Paul. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. And uh, let's. I've got everything crossed for Saturday. Everything crossed. Yeah, and if you are planning on getting down to the Academy Stadium on Saturday, tickets still available and kickoff is 11.30. So, random again. <laughs> random Saturday morning, but that's all right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like, I, I don't know who does the scheduling, but I think they just get a pin and just pick a, just stick it in a, in a calendar and say, oh, it's 11.27 on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, you're not going to build the game if you keep doing these stupid things about messing, you're messing people around. I mean, not, not only is, is it, you know, bad for us as City fans, but what time are the Villa fans going to have to get up to get to the game? Because they'll bring a coach. At least they're not they? coming from London. It's only a couple, an hour and a half. Well, true, but it's, it's still, it's still, you know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's just bonkers. Yeah, it is, it is. But this, this is it now. This is it. All these odd kickoff time so we've got to get used to this surprised me every week the three o'clock last sunday just totally threw me completely well, and not not because of the kickoff time and i couldn't get there just because it was such a random time i was thinking oh, sunday i've got to plan my sunday dinner around this when do i have it do we have it before i go after i've got to cook it when i get in it's just drama absolute drama all the time all the time well, it, it yeah. I mean, I've I've had a run of three p.m.s at the uh, at the men's games, you know, which is unheard of. You know, old school three p.m. Saturday afternoon kickoffs. What's different that? On about? A, different on a Saturday though. Sunday. Well, bring 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 your roast dinner with you in, in Tupperware. <laughs> you know? Well, every I I was at the game and I didn't even I didn't even think to be honest. I saw quite a few people with massive giant Yorkshire puddings yeah. full of meat and potatoes, and I thought mm, that was quite. Quite a good idea. <laughs> That's the catering. The catering's really kicked on at the ground, you know. Yeah, it has actually. Yeah. I'm still waiting for me chicken tikka balsy pasty. I've seen that though yet. Well, I've, I've, I, I have to say I've, I've had one of those because I've been to the, I've, I did the um, um, hospitality a couple of, a few weeks ago, which was great, by the way. Um, and they, they, that's what they were serving. So it was, I had the I had the veggie version, but there was a chicken tikka version. So it was fantastic. Why, why, didn't, why didn't you ring me? Why didn't you tell me? Why, even so, why didn't you bring one out and give it to, <laughs> give it to me? Because <laughs> I'd, be, I'd have been tackled to the ground by a steward. <laughs> right. Brilliant, Paul. Nice to speak to you. And I will hopefully see you on Saturday. Yep. See you Saturday. Fingers crossed. Definitely. And toes. Everything crossed. <laughs> Nice one, Paul. See you later. Cheers, bye. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Paul for joining me. We'll have all the post-match reaction from our upcoming game against Aston Villa before the international break. Don't forget, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on our socials at MCWFanCast. And if you're heading to the Academy Stadium on Saturday, we'll see you there.